Greetings, church and friends of the church. It's uh, the last Saturday in April, I think. It might be a Thursday night in September. I don't know. Um, this is our seventh weekend now in this season of wilderness and isolation. Um, we are still very much disconnected from what is normal, and we're not sure when it will end. There may be some changes to our life in the next couple of weeks. There may not be. We just don't know. And so here we are. We'll st we're still here uh, in this place where we cannot relate to God or to each other or to our neighborhoods or, or even to our former selves in the same way. And, and so this, this has been and continues to be a unique opportunity to really deeply reflect upon and reconsider the ways that we do relate to God and to others and to our own selves. Um, and we're not just going through the motions of what used to be normal. And so we can actually, in this season, take stock um, in some helpful ways. To summarize the journey of reflection that we've been on so far um, in this season of disconnection and disruption, um, we've, we've considered how important it is to be present in this, to not to not just get lost in our memory of what was or our imaginations of how the future will be the same as the past, but to really pay attention to God and, and to others and to each other in this time. We've, we've talked about how it's um, a very natural thing for empathy to awaken in new ways when we are present to those around us. Um, we considered privilege and, and how being in the wilderness like this can be a unique opportunity to become more deeply aware of the privilege that we have. And, and maybe that empathy that stirred is stirred drives us to want to extend that privilege to include others. We, we had a reflection on how God is in control of the God stuff, but how we are in control of the people stuff. Um, and, and maybe as we're seeking to, with empathy, extend privilege to include others, we see what we can control. Um, in the directions of that being our desired end. Um, and, and, and then in our last reflection, we considered how even though there's something in us when we're fearful and tired that just wants to go back to the way things were, we realize that we can't. Because back there um, wasn't a good place for everyone. It may have been a good place for us, but, but it wasn't a place of well-being for everyone. And so um, we, as we're taking stock and, and, and we're seeing the, the realities around us in the present, and as, we, as that empathy drives us to want to ex extend privilege to include more, we realize that we have to go to a different future and not just go back to what was normal. And so this, in this reflection, we take the next step in this progression of thought, and, and we consider how being in the wilderness helps us to be more aware of the need for adaptation and creativity in our life together. Because if our future isn't as simple as just going back, going back to past norms and practices, beliefs, politics, expectations, understandings, then our future must necessarily include new norms, new practices, new beliefs, new politics, new expectations, new understandings. Maybe not completely new, but at least adapted to fit the realities of now. Um, as the adage goes, which is uh, often um, falsely attributed to Einstein, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If we can't, just go back. Um, 
then we can't imagine a future that is just doing all the same things. There's um, an increasing body of scholarship out there about the difference between technical problems and adaptive challenges. In short, a technical problem is an easily identifiable problem that can be addressed by the implementation of a solution that was known to work in the past. A solution that has solved the problem in the past that can solve uh, the same or a similar problem in the present. Um, Blair and I used to have an old washing machine that would have the same control module fail every couple of years. And that was a technical problem. Uh, to fix it, I simply had to, to try and remember how I fixed it in the past, order the right part, replace it as I did before, and voila, it's, it's fixed. Technical problems exist in situations where none of the circumstances surrounding the problem have changed. Nothing about the other parts of that machine, nothing about its location, nothing about what we were putting in it or how often we were using it, none of, none of those circumstances changed. But, but what if they had? What if other parts had broken also? Or, or what if we decided we needed to use it to wash cinder blocks instead? Or what if we wanted to put it somewhere else in the house where we couldn't plug it in? Uh, these changes in the circumstances surrounding that one particular problem of the control module would have rendered that technical solution of just replacing this one part ineffective. What I did before to address the problem, changing out that one module, would no longer bring about the desired outcome. An adaptive challenge, then, is a situation in which the surrounding circumstances have changed such that that past solution no longer brings about the desired outcome. To bring about the desired outcome, instead, you have to experiment creatively with adaptations, willing to commit time and energy to both trial and to error, learning from adaptations and attempts that don't bring about a desired outcome, and then trying new approaches beyond that. So if this washing machine was now going to wash cinder blocks instead of every single piece of clothing our kids own that find their way into the dirty laundry every three days, then there would have to be some creative adaptations to the structure of that machine. If other parts of the machine were broken or not effective, there'd have to be a creative process for troubleshooting and addressing these additional problems as well. If those parts that we needed were not available on the replacement market or on Amazon, then, then there would have to be a creative consideration of using a different part available that could perform the same necessary function. And if we wanted it to be in a different room completely, we'd have to make adaptations not to the washing machine itself, but also to the home in which we seek to use it, to run new electrical, new plumbing. So this is kind of a kind of a silly and a mundane example, but it helps us illustrate something important about the reality of our life together as human beings in our towns, in our nation, and on our planet, which is that the circumstances surrounding our lives, our life together in our lives, are so drastically different in the present than they used to be. That we are insane if we subscribe to the theory that past solutions are the perfect present and future solutions also. This was um, 
This was part of the story for the Israelites as they were being led by Moses away from slavery and into a long season in the wilderness. They couldn't go back to Egypt and expect different results. This was their story as they were exiled in the Persian and Babylonian empires. They were forced to admit they just couldn't plug in solutions to their life's issues from their past life. They had to imagine a, a new way of being the Israelites in the world. This was the early Christian movement. They had to admit that they couldn't just plug in the same legalistic religious structures and expect a different result in the larger society around them. They had to experiment creatively with and forge new structures, practices, norms, understandings, and expectations. And this is our story now. This time of disconnection from the normal really is a unique opportunity to see this clearly. We are not so distracted by the day-to-day -day rat race that we have no room in our brains or our spirits to consider what is right in front of our eyes. But we can see it now. We can see that the solutions and the structures that once served our life together well are no longer the solutions for uh, the life together that will carry us into the future that we want for everyone. To think that we can use all the same social, economic, political, social, and religious solutions, structures, practices, and understandings that were normal pre-corona and get a better or different result in our future would be illogical, it'd be insane. We know that once upon a time, pre-corona and a long, uh, decades ago, um, it was true for some, but not all. It was true for those um, uh, in places of privilege and access that a good work ethic could lead to an affordable education, a living wage, stable housing, sufficient health care, sufficient retirement, and in general, a life of um, well-being without the fear of being unable uh, to make ends meet. In those circumstances, um, for those um, of privilege and, and access and ability with, within those circumstances, the solution to problems related to any of these, education, salary, housing, healthcare, retirement, or just general well-being, the solution to all of those, if there, was, if there was a lack, was to just work harder or to work more. And because that was true in the past, we are tempted to apply that technical solution to any problems or lack related to these things today. We're tempted to just say, just work harder or just work more. But we can't because the circumstances surrounding these keystones of a good and meaningful human experience have changed drastically. This isn't a technical problem. It's, a, it's an adaptive challenge because the circumstances around the human experience in America today are so very different. Once upon a time, someone working a job that today we know to be a minimum wage earning job would earn enough to afford all the necessities of life. Maybe we've heard all the stories of, uh, maybe we've all heard stories of parents or grandparents being able to uh, put themselves through school and start families and start careers while, while working a job for which today they would likely learn, uh, earn minimum wage. But these circumstances have changed. The minimum wage now is $7.25 an hour, which means that if someone works a full 40-hour week 
for all 52 weeks of the year without taking um, any days off, any vacation, they earn $15,600, which is only 60% of what the Federal Department of Housing and Human Services says is a poverty wage for a family of four, about $26,000. It takes two minimum wage earners working full-time without any breaks to make just above a poverty wage. This is not how it always was. This was, this was not always the circumstances. Think back and try to imagine your parents or grandparents, and if they both worked full-time, especially if you were a person of social privilege like me, that was, that was plenty. That was enough. And for many of us, just one parent or one grandparent working was enough to afford all the necessities of life. Once upon a time in 1970, when the minimum wage was $1.60, the average cost of a home was $23,000, and that meant that about 37% of a minimum earning salary would be needed to pay for a monthly mortgage. Now the average cost of a home is more than $200,000, which at $7.25 of a minimum wage means that more than 85% of monthly earnings would be needed to pay the mortgage. Obviously, that leaves only 15% of earnings for any other cost. Once upon a time, healthcare was affordable by most. It was a good solution for the time, once upon a time, but now health insurance premiums for a family um, are more than $20,000 a year on average, which is more than a single mom of the family could make working her entire year minimum wage. So before she even worries about rent or food, that mom knows that even if her housing or her meals are completely free, she can't afford insurance premiums. Once upon a time, a minimum wage earner could earn enough to pay for 100% of college tuition costs. Many of us maybe have heard stories of a parent or grandparent putting themselves through school, and sometimes what they made just by working a summer job for minimum wage was enough to pay for a whole school year worth of expenses. But the cost of college has increased eight times faster over the last several decades than wages. It's increased a thousand percent the cost of college since 1970. And now working a minimum wage job full-time full -time and year-round is only enough to cover between half and two-thirds of in-state college expenses. That's why so many Pennsylvania Residents come out of college with almost $40,000 on average in student debt. In our area, I can tell you from my connection with several families through our food pantry efforts that two full-time workers in a household, whether they have children or not, cannot afford all the keystones that we claim are accessible to all as part of the American dream. That may have once been our circumstances, but they are not our circumstances ever, anymore. And because that is true, it's also true that we cannot address these problems technically. That is by simply defaulting back to the solutions of the past. Just work harder within the, the current structures of um, our social, political, economic, religious systems that, that just doesn't work anymore. Just work harder doesn't make um, minimum wage magically multiply so that it's a living wage. Just work harder doesn't make owning or renting a home or health insurance or medicine or college education magically affordable 
when they cost 10 times more than they used to and we make relatively less in page. The reality that our previous solutions are no longer effective is on display dramatically in this season of wilderness. If we are present to those who are being failed and burdened by our systems and solutions, if we feel their pain and, and if we empathize, if we desire to extend that life of privilege and well-being to include them rather than exclude them, then we know that we need adapted, creative new solutions. To think that we can use all the same social, uh, economic, political structures, practices, understandings, and, and get a better or a different result would be insane. And so this is the time. Now when we are in this uh, wilderness of disconnection from the normal and uniquely attuned to these realities around us, this is the time to imagine how we might creatively adapt, reform, and change our social, economic, political, spiritual, religious approaches to life together. If just work harder um, isn't working anymore, because it's not, then what are some creative ways that we can reorder our social, economic, political, religious, and spiritual structures so that they actually address the circumstances of our life together as they are today? Circumstances that are wildly different than those of 1970. How can we seek to creatively adapt our collective approaches to income, housing, healthcare, education, knowing that the tried solution to these problems are failing more and more of our neighbors each year? How can we adapt the spiritual and political worldviews that inspire our approaches so that we are more open and less dismissive of new approaches to life together? While in the wilderness of Exodus, the Israelites forged a new set of structures and solutions that allowed them to thrive together um, and prepared them to settle into a season of collective well-being. When in the wilderness of exile, they found a new set of structures, solutions, and expectations that inspired them to move out into the world in seeking to serve, inspire, bless, help all the nations of the world. When in the wilderness um, of exile, the early Christian movement forged a new set of structures and solutions that has led to hundreds and thousands of years of positive social progress, undergirded by Jesus' greatest command to, to love the other and seek the well-being of all else, including enemy. So what new structures and solutions can we imagine and implement in our wilderness season that would allow our towns, our countries, our nations to become places in which more and more people are able to flourish? Can we imagine how to ensure that every last household has a basic income that's sufficient to cover the necessities, including a place to live? Can we imagine how to ensure that every woman, man, and child can get the healthcare and medicine they need when they need it? Can we imagine how to ensure that anyone can go to school and be prepared to take their place in our society? I'm going to post a link, some links to a few TED Talks that help to introduce some of these uh, possible creative solutions. Because this is the time to give thanks for previous solutions, acknowledge how they served well, but also to admit that they're no longer serving us as a people 
well enough because so much about our circumstances has changed. Now's the time to open ourselves to creativity and adaptation. Instead of defining ourselves only by the structures and solutions that we used to trust in, now's the time to define ourselves by our willingness to pursue and implement better solutions together. So stay safe, stay home, be well.